Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have another edition of the Bean Report. Also, we'll talk about grain grading changes coming into effect later this year by the Canadian Grain Commission. Up first in today's country comment, we'll check in with a Minto area farmer ahead of spring seeding. Latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Farmers are patiently waiting for the ground to dry up so they can start spring seeding. Reporter Barry Lamb caught up with Andrew Ayer, owner of Southern Seeds of Minto. People are obviously starting to get a little anxious, but at the same time, their uh, their memories go back to the last two seasons of it being exceptionally dry, and we do need this moisture to replenish the reserves. Uh, Yes, uh, seeding may be delayed. Um, it's a long time until crop insurance deadlines. Um, some things may get changed, but we'll deal with that and cross that bridge when we come to it. But right now, it's a case of sitting and uh, watch and see what happens. How wet are the fields at this point, and how much does it vary from area to area, as far as you mm. can tell? Yeah, well, um, around here in Minto, uh, again, it, I've seen it wetter. Uh, you know, there is some areas with some low low areas with water standing, but it's nothing. It's not flooding by any means. It's just normal uh, runoff from spring that hasn't dispersed yet, and uh, it's just it's a late uh, late spring. We're probably running two weeks late, and there's still uh, snow in the trees. How much, if any, have cropping intentions changed to this point? Uh, you know, some varieties take longer than others to grow, but yeah. what's happening there? Um, there's no real changes at the moment. Obviously, the first thing will uh, people will look at corn and maybe say, well, you know, it's going to be a, too late a season to get corn in. Uh, the longer season crops may uh, may get to switch to varieties with shorter maturity dates. So, but it, it's too early yet. Um, overall, the feeling is the pastures will enjoy the moisture. We'll have moisture there to grow a crop if we get it in. Um, we're just hopeful that. Uh, there will be a chance this month to get in the field. What other crop choices might be considered uh, and, and the cost of fertilizers and inputs as well, does that factor in? Um, most of those decisions have been made. If anything, the later we go, the less fertilizer will get used, um, which you know will mean that there will be perhaps some savings there. Uh, some guys might cut out some fertilizer if it gets really light. Uh, so... Those are things that people will be thinking about. But right now, it, it's basically it's still a little on the early side to, side to pull a pin and panic. Is there a date that, that you yourself would start to get a little more concerned? Or are we a couple weeks away from that yet? Yeah, we're probably two weeks away from that. I think uh, at 25th of May, uh, we want to be going by then. Um, we'd like to get the majority of things in by first of june and really today with technology uh, the equipment we have you know we have 60 foot planters and uh, 60 80 80 foot air seeders it's it's not uh, going to take long when it happens it's just a tricky bit is getting into the field once we get into the field things will get done in a hurry going to be some longer days though longer days once if we get to the field there will be a case of uh, a tag team in and uh, running that equipment for for 24 hours. So, and then we get a lot done. It's just, just it's just at the moment just frustrating because everybody wants to get going and uh, you know get all the little glitches out that usually happen every year. And then uh, everybody will settle down and uh, 
we'll get something in the ground hopefully before the end of uh, the crop insurance deadlines. That was Andrew Ayer, the owner of Southern Seeds at Minto, chatting with reporter Barry Lamb. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. I'm Corey Canute. Keystone Agricultural Producers President Bill Campbell says the availability of the Disaster Financial Assistance Program is welcome news for farmers who have suffered losses that are not covered by their insurance policy. Cap says the excessive moisture in the past few weeks has been a challenge for Manitoba farmers, adding saturated fields and rain have resulted in a late start to seeding. The overland flooding has caused road closures, creating logistical challenges for farmers trying to market their commodities. Additionally, the recent floods have caused farm property damage in some areas of the province. And flooding in southern Manitoba is having an impact on egg farmers. Kurt Siemens runs a lair and pullet operation between Morris and Rosenort. While his farm isn't in direct danger of flooding, access in and out has been greatly reduced. He talked about how egg farmers prepare for events like this. Well, animal safety and animal welfare is always a top priority for us, as well as uh, and then food safety would be the second level, and human safety rates right in there with that. We built up our, our barn on a pad. We also have enough storage here, feed storage here for a minimum three weeks, so we did that on Thursday. We got... Uh, All our tanks filled up, so we're good for three weeks, so we don't have to bring any feed in. Eggs, we have storage for, uh, in our cooler itself, we probably have two weeks of storage, plus we have a dry van with a dolly that uh, we can also fill as a backup. Siemens says they made many improvements to the site since the flood of 1997. Manitoba Pork is launching the Squeal on Pigs campaign in partnership with the federal and provincial governments. The program will allow Manitobans to report sightings of invasive wild pigs. Dr. Wayne Lees is project coordinator with the Manitoba Invasive Swine Eradication Project. It's a problem that's been going on for a number of years now, but the alarm bells are really starting to ring, not just here in Manitoba, but across the prairies, especially in areas where these pigs are breeding and uh, starting to do a lot of damage to the environment. To report wild pigs, go to squealonpigs.org or call 1-833-SPOT-PIG. And on Monday, Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food Marie-Claude Bebo announced an investment of up to $2.1 million for three organizations to support development opportunities for Canadian youth in agriculture. The Canadian 4-H Council will receive up to $1.8 million over two years to develop new curriculum and resources. Canadian Young Farmers Forum will receive up to $195,000 over two years to build industry capacity and provide training and education to young farmers across Canada. And Canada's Outstanding Young Farmers will receive up to $119,000 over two years to support its seven regional recognition events, as well as its three-day national event. Funding is flowing through the government's Agri-Competitiveness Program. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Egg Wire for Tuesday, May 10th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll chat with the Chief Grain Inspector for Canada with the Canadian Grain Commission. Updates are coming to the Canadian Grain Commission's official grain grading guide this crop year. Derek Bunkowski is Chief Grain Inspector for Canada with the Canadian Grain Commission. Any uh, changes that we make to grading standards in Canada... Uh, they all have to go through our Eastern and Western Standards Committees. So those committees are made up of uh, various stakeholders in the industry, uh, including uh, producers, uh, exporters, end users, and handlers. So we, we meet twice a year uh, in the spring and the fall 
uh, at those committees to discuss any potential changes uh, to grades. So uh, some of these changes that we've made uh, this year have been discussed uh, actually multiple times over the past couple of years before we uh, finally came to the place where we were ready to uh, make the actual change. Now, I uh, just wanted to run through the uh, the changes here. Uh, the first one, um, mildew standards for eastern and western red wheats. Um, tell us about that. Okay, so we've done uh, significant uh, research over the last uh, three years uh, at the Canadian Grain Commission uh, to Industry Services. We work together closely with our, our research scientists in the Grain Research Lab. And uh, based on the research that we've done, uh, we found that it was appropriate to relax the, uh, the standards for mildew, and that is based on, on these findings that we've found, uh, that the impacts of, of mildew, for the most part, are negligible. Uh, there is some in impact. Uh, uh, we do at times see a little higher alpha amylase activity uh, when there's some mildew present. But, uh, we have sprouted tolerances in place that do a good job of protecting uh, the falling number and the functionality of the wheat. So we felt, uh, and the committee as well, felt uh, that it was prudent to revise those standards to allow more mildew before producers would be downgraded on account of that factor. In, in particular, uh, I want to note that we've removed it as a grading factor altogether in the number three grade. So. What that means is producers will no longer have their, their wheat downgraded into the feed grades on account of mildew alone. The next one here, um, the uh, splits tolerance in number two Canada green peas will be changed from 1% to 3% effective um, August 1st. Uh, tell us what went into uh, that decision. Okay, Corey. So that one, we actually had an inquiry uh, last year from an exporter that was having difficulty meeting the 1% split tolerance in number two Canada green peas. Uh, the tolerance on number two Canada yellows is actually 3%. So we were, we were questioned as to why there was that difference. So we did a significant engagement with, with the industry and, and it was determined that uh, it would be fine uh, for number two Canada green peas to have up to 3% splits in that grade. Uh, buyers are, are, are willing to do that, and their customers are willing to accept that amount of splits. So uh, the committee decided that it was uh, prudent to make that change to 3% from 1%. The next one here, uh, looking at canola, um, effective August 1st. Across the country, the tolerance for uh, inconspicuous admixture in the number one, number two, and number three grades uh, of canola will be changed from 5% down to, to uh, 1%. Uh, tell us about that change. So on, on that change, Corey, uh, we had an inquiry from a handler, actually, uh, that uh, had, had questioned us. They, they felt that uh, there was actually some domestic mustard seed uh, that had been blended into some canola deliveries last year. And they were wondering about the impact of uh, functionality in doing that. So again, uh, we did uh, significant research together with the Green Grain Research Lab. And we found that once there was over 1% of domestic mustard seed in the canola, uh, it had a very negative impact on the oil quality and functionality of that canola. 
And uh, so the decision was made that in order to protect uh, that canola quality, we needed to make that change down to the 1% maximum uh, level of inconspicuous admixture in all one, two, and three grades of canola. Also effective August 1st, um, only CFIA registered varieties of uh, colored beans will be eligible for the highest statutory grades uh, for beans in the country. Um, again, tell us about that change and how it came about. So we've been working closely uh, through the Prairie Grain Development Committee uh, with the breeders of beans over the years. Uh, CFIA uh, had an exemption in place over the years on colored beans that uh, did not require them to be of a registered variety. Uh, however, we've worked with the, uh, the industry to, to support the variety registration system. My understanding is not, that now uh, all of the varieties of colored beans that are being uh, grown are registered. CFIA removed that variety registration exemptum last October so uh, in line with that, uh, we have now removed beans from our non-registered varieties order, which in essence means that in order to receive uh, the highest grades by regulation, you need to be deliver- growing and delivering a registered variety. If you are growing a, a bean variety that is not registered, it is then only eligible for the lowest grade by regulation, which is number four Canada. And the last uh, change I wanted to talk about um, had to do with mustard seed. Yeah, so, so on that change, uh, Corey, we've been doing some work again for a couple years on that. And, and that came about because at times we do see uh, producer samples of domestic mustard seed being downgraded on uh, insect excreta in particular. It, it is very, very small pieces of, of insect excreta that we will sometimes find in those samples. And the existing tolerance was very small. Uh, it only allowed for one, one piece of that uh, excreta in 500 grams. So we worked together closely with the mustard industry talking about this and uh, seeing if perhaps there could be a change made to that that tolerance so that it wasn't so detrimental at times and the industry agreed that uh, that that tolerance uh, they felt it was too tight and we've moved it to 0.01 percent which uh, aligns with the excreta tolerance in other grades of grain uh, and another key note on that is is the industry had advised that in today's day and age with the uh, with the cleaning technology that is available now uh, they have no problem uh, separating uh, material like this from their product, and, and it ends up not being a, an issue for the, the handlers and end users. All right. Uh, Derek, any other changes that uh, are coming this year? Or? No, that, that's a summary of the changes for this for this coming year, Corey, and those, will, those changes will be taking effect uh, August 1st of, of this year. That was Derek Bunkowski, Chief Grain Inspector for Canada with the Canadian Grain Commission. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has established an e-commerce resource hub where Canadian agri-food companies can access resources to take advantage of global opportunities to sell products online. 
Sessions conclude on June 6th. Each week covers a different topic. You can register on the Manitoba Agriculture website. The 2022 Spring Farmers Market Coordinator Gathering is planned for May 13th in Winnipeg. The gathering includes workshops, lunch, solution mill, as well as time to connect with fellow coordinators. Get all the details with Direct Farm Manitoba. And Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is putting on a fence and water solutions workshop June 1st. The cost is $30 and you can register on the MFGA website. It's time now for the Bean Report, brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Joining us today is production specialist Laura Schmidt. So we're starting to see some movement in the field, but soil moisture conditions across much of the province have delayed seeding. Since we might be heading into a bit of a seeding crunch as a result, still do try to prioritize putting in peas early. So you aim to seed peas when the average soil temperature at depth is at least 5 degrees. Delaying pea seeding into late May will mean that the crop will flower in the heat of July, which can cause flower blasting, since peas are quite sensitive to hot temperatures during flowering. So as a result, try to get peas in early if possible to maximize your yield. A good rule of thumb is to seed peas into at least half an inch of moisture. So pea seed depths may range anywhere from one and a half to three inches deep and ensuring that they have that moisture to work with will help with emergence. Inoculate with rhizobium legumosarum bacteria and check that the soil test nitrogen levels are low enough to accommodate nodulation. So that's typically below 50 pounds of nitrogen per acre residual. A single inoculation is recommended even on fields with a history of peas to ensure that that rhizobia that's there is effective at fixing nitrogen. If that field is seeing peas for the first time, double inoculate using a peat or liquid on seed and a granular in furrow to ensure that there will be that bacteria there for your crop's nodulation. If you're looking at using a seed treatment this year with your peas to combat root rot in this cool, wet soil, uh, do check with your inoculant manufacturer to ensure that you've got compatibility between your inoculant and the seed treatment product. Seed peas on narrow rows between 6 to 12 inches, pea tendrils knit together, and seeding on those narrow rows will help with standability. For plant populations in the field, target 7 to 8 live plants per square foot, which is about equivalent to 320 to 360,000 live plants per acre. So with most varieties, this means that you're going to need to seed at greater rates than 3 bushels per acre. And that's because there's a wide variation in seed size among pea varieties and seed lots. So it's best to calculate your individual seeding rate using the thousand seed weight of your variety, along with your expected emergence rate based on your germination and on oh, your own on-farm experience. So for peas where thousand seed weights range anywhere from 200 to 300 grams uh, per thousand seeds, this can mean a seeding rate range of over three to six bushels per acre or 170 to 350 pounds per acre. And then when thinking about rolling, just note that peas may be rolled post-emergence at the second to third true node stage. So that's when there are two or three nodes above the two scale nodes at the base of the plant. And that's just a really quick synopsis of some of the top tips for seeding peas. And Laura, tell us about some of the new MPSG resources that are available. Definitely. So along with growth staging guides and production guidelines, MPSG has developed insect and disease scouting calendars for peas, fungicide decision worksheets, and a desiccation and harvest guide just to help farmers and agronomists manage their pea crops. There are also some new resources out there for organic pea growers. So you can check out these resources and more at manitobapulse.ca under the production tab. And then also available in this week's bean report at manitobapulse.ca are pre-plant and pre-emergent herbicide product options for soybean and pulse crops and more timely seeding and field preparation tips to think about as we're waiting for things to dry up here. Thanks, Laura. Laura Schmidt is a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The Bean Report is brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. You can find out more 
at manitobapulse.ca. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Rose Nort area egg farmer Kurt Seaman says floodwaters have reduced access in and out of his operation. However, the location itself is not in any direct danger. He talked about previous flood events. 97, we uh, we actually had to take out our birds. Well, when we started taking them out of the barn, we were driving through six inches of water. By the time we finished, it was three feet of water, and it all happened in one afternoon kind of thing. So... And that's the same year that our house got flooded, shop got flooded, uh, barn was sitting empty for quite a while. So, yeah, that was the worst year. Since then, we've been able to battle most of the floods since 97. A lot of prep after 97 to, to be prepared for those uh, these following years. Seaman says animal and food safety is a top priority when planning for events like this year's flood. Updates are coming to the Canadian Grain Commission's official grain grading guide this crop year. Current mildew standard samples for Canada Eastern Red Spring, Canada Western Red Spring, and Canada Western Red Winter Wheats are being replaced. Some of the other changes will see the splits tolerance in number two Canada Green Peas change from 1% to 3% effective August 1st across Canada. In addition, the tolerance for inconspicuous admixture in the number one, number two, and number three grades of canola will be changed from 5% down to 1%. Another change will see only Canadian Food Inspection Agency registered varieties of coloured beans be eligible for the highest statutory grades for beans in Canada. And wild pigs have become a problem across the prairies. Manitoba Pork is launching the Squeal on Pigs campaign in partnership with the federal and provincial governments. The program will allow Manitobans to report sightings of invasive wild pigs. Dr. Wayne Lees is project coordinator with the Manitoba Invasive Swine Eradication Project. There are dozens of different diseases that these pigs can carry, and one of the biggest concerns really is the role that they could play if we were ever to uh, get a foreign animal disease, such as African swine fever. Because these pigs are susceptible to that, they could easily spread that from one, one place to another. So we're very concerned about the role that these pigs would play in any disease outbreak. To report wild pigs, go to squealonpigs.org or call 1-833-SPOT-PIG. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show... CAP President Bill Campbell will join us to talk about disaster financial assistance. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.